to the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we honor you, we bless you, we praise you. We thank you for your presence here today. We thank you for your, your holy written word that as we study it, that encouragement comes. So grateful for your word. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, greet a couple of people. Greet two or three people and you can be seated. God. Well, it's good to greet everybody. Now, let's go to 1 John, the third chapter. 1 John, the third chapter. Now, if uh, you didn't bring your Bible with you today, uh, for whatever the reason may be, we have some here that we'd like to let you use. And so if you need a Bible, if you didn't bring one, you can raise your hand real high and our ushers will get you one. We'd like to, to make that available to you. Of course, the uh, scriptures are on the screens, but it's always good to turn in, in the Bible and uh, as well. And so uh, if you would, just leave those at your seat when you leave today so we can use them again next week. All right, 1 John, the third chapter. 1 John, the third chapter, today being Father's Day, I'd like to take a look at the attributes or the characteristics of the Heavenly Father. The characteristics of the Heavenly Father. So we're going to have five or six of his main characteristics. Now, you start talking about God, you could talk all day and not even scratch the surface. So these are just some of the, the, the highlights of his wonderful attributes or characteristics. First of all, the Heavenly Father loves his children. He loves his children. Now, look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Behold what manner of love... The Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. That we should be called children of God. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. You know, it's an honor to be a child of God. It really, really is. And... Uh, and he's bestowed his love upon us. And, and, and the greatest act of God's love is seen in the process by which he has made us his children. Now you have to realize, see a lot of people teach the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. But you have to understand that God, now you need to listen to this, God is everyone's creator but he's not everyone's father. Did, did you hear that? That's very important that you, you get that. He is everyone's creator, but he is not everyone's father. The Bible says in the book of Galatians that ye are all the children of God. But you have to finish that verse. You're all the children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Some of you are looking at me funny. We better look that one up. Galatians 3.26. Go there. See, a lot of people think everybody's a child of God. Well, you have to realize this. God is everyone's creator, 
but he's not everyone's father. Look at Galatians 3.26. says, ye are all, we're talking about the love of God here, the process by which he made us his children. says, we're all the, we're all the children of God through what? Through faith. faith. You're all the sons of God, children of God through what? Faith, faith in who? Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus. So the only people that are children of God are people who have what? Placed their faith in who? In Christ Jesus. Do you see that? You see, Jesus was talking uh, to a group of people one day. And he made this statement to him. He said, you are of your father, the devil. You need to realize this. When you boil it right down, there's only two kinds of people in this world. There's children of God and children of the... I mean, it's pretty simple. And, and to become a child of God, you see, what we must do is we must place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and then we become a child of God. See, because of what Adam did in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they sold the human race out to the devil, you see, when they sinned and disobeyed God. Uh, but you see, God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son... Uh, you know, that's Jesus as he was born of a virgin and lived his, the sinless life, you know, and was tempted in every way like we are. And he, he resisted every temptation. He was totally sinless, never sinned. He, he died on the cross. He shed his holy sinless blood. He was buried on the third day, rose from the dead. And the Bible says that as we, as children of the devil in that fallen state, place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says we're translated out of the kingdom of darkness over into the kingdom of light, over into the kingdom of God's dear son. And just that quick, a person can go from being a child of the devil to being a child of God. How does it happen? If you study the Bible, you'll see it's through a repentance of your sins, turning away from your sins and placing your faith in who? In Christ Jesus. And when you do that, instantly you become a child of God. But you see, the Bible says here in 1 John 3, 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. It's an honor to be called the child of God, but you really get to see the love that he has for us when you look at, at what price he paid to buy us back from the devil. Notice, if you would here, uh, Galatians 4 and 5. Galatians 4 and 5. Again, I want to say while you turn there, God is everyone's creator, but he's not everyone's father. He becomes our father when we place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, notice this here in Galatians 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, that's Jesus, born of a woman. And we understand she was a virgin, born under the law. To redeem those who were under the law that we might receive what? The what? The adoption of what? Of sons. See, God adopted us according to the scripture. Because Adam sold us out to the devil. We became children of the devil through Adam. But through what Jesus did and that great love that God showed us by giving us Jesus. When we, when we receive Jesus and place our faith in him, an adoption process takes, takes place. And, and God adopts us from the children as children of the devil. And we become God's uh, very children. Isn't that wonderful? That, that, that excites me. How about you? Does it excite you at all? That's love. 
And, and it's really love when you really understand the condition we were in. Notice Romans 5, 7. Notice Romans 5, 7. The condition we were in as, as children of the devil. I mean, spiritually speaking, that's horrible condition. I said, that's horrible condition. Look at this, Romans 5, 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. Now notice God doesn't just say he loves us, he does that, but he shows us that he loves us. He demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ did what? He died for us. He died for us. While we were still sinners, see, this is God, the Heavenly Father, showing His love for us as children of the devil. He says, I'm going to adopt them. I love them so much, I'm going to adopt them. And, 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 and I'm going to give my very son, Jesus, to do it. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, verse 7 says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone even dare die. But, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, you have to understand that, you know, it would be one thing if you were looking at a, a, a real good person, a real good person, a wonderful person, and, and they were in need, and, 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 and they're real good, they're real wonderful, and they're in need, and so we're going to do something to help them. That's one thing. But think about an old wretch. An old wretch, somebody, you know what I mean, an old wretch, just somebody that was just, just in horrible shape. And on top of that, somebody that opposed you. Have you ever had anybody oppose you? You know, and they're against you and they're vile and they're cussing at you and, and, and they're against you and, 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 and so on and so forth. Now think about doing something to help that person. See, it's one thing to do something for someone that is uh, what we'd call good, but it's then again something else to do something for someone that's just decrepit. And you have to realize that when we were children of the devil in that fallen state, I'm talking spiritually, you know, as sinners, we were in decrepit condition. How many of you understand that? Decrepit condition, bad shape. Bad, realize, say bad shape. Oh, he's in bad shape. And you know what? God looked at us in that bad shape. And when everybody else would have turned their back on us, God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son to buy us back from the devil, to adopt us back from the devil. Now that's love. Real loud say that's love. Look at Romans 8.32. Look at this. It really shows how much God loves us. Look at this. I tell you what, if you really get a hold of this next verse, it'll, it'll bring tears to your eyes. Look at this, Romans 8.32. How many of you know God the Father loved Jesus? Huh? He loved Jesus. Still, I mean, loves Him. I mean, he's, Jesus is very God. He's God's Son. You understand that? How many of you know God loves Jesus? Oh, yeah. But you know what? Notice this. Because Adam's sin sold us out to the devil, the price for that sin had to be paid, and only the Son of God could pay it. And God the Father, loving Jesus so much, notice Romans 8.32, did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. Isn't that, isn't that something? He, deli- he did not spare His own Son. Now, the only way I can get you to understand this is, particularly those of you who have children, think about your child who you dearly, dearly, dearly love. 
I'm talking about how much God loves us. But you, if you have children, think about your child who you dearly, dearly, dearly love. Think about them. You, you dearly love them. But there's this kid across the street who's a bad kid. Now, whenever I say that, I think about this kid in the subdivision I used to live in years ago. He, he was something else. I mean, he was like Dennis the Menace on demonic steroids. I mean, unbelievable. I'm telling you, you drive by, he's throwing rocks at the car, throwing pebbles at the car, spitting on the car. You know, you're out cutting your grass. He come up, just call you a name and then run off. This one day, this fella across the street, he was out working on his car and this little kid uh, comes over and he just, just, and I watched the whole thing. He just called him a name. And the guy got mad. And I'm talking to this little kid's about four years old. And the guy got mad and he took his wrench. And he went after the kid. And part of me wanted him to catch the kid. And part of me didn't want that to happen. And he chased the kid and the little kid's just running, you know. And the guy's after him with the wrench. And he run, the little kid runs around the back of his house. And I, and I had to kind of go to back because I live right next door. I had to go back to see what was going to happen. And so I went back there and the kid gets inside just in time. I'm glad he did because I'd have hated for the guy to have to go to jail. But he got in and he slammed the door and, and uh, locked it. And the guy's on the outside. He's not using his wrench, but he's beating on the glass door. He wants in after the kid, but the kid got in and locked the door. I guess the guy just got to his breaking point. I don't know what it was. But uh, and then the guy looks over at me and he says, he says, the little the little tykes in there making sign language at me, you know, and, and so we want. Well, we won't get into that, but think about a good kid. You might you might consider giving your son for that kid. Probably most people wouldn't. But think about a real demon, like a kid like Dennis the Menace on demonic steroids, like that neighbor of mine. You wouldn't give your child to die for somebody like that. But you need to understand something that we as children of the devil, spiritually speaking, we were in far worse case spiritually than that little kid that cussed cussed that guy with the wrench out. Do you understand that? How many of you understand that? And God looked at us in that decrepit, wretched state And he gave his prize, prize, prize possession, Jesus. He gave his son. And the Bible said that he did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Now in that, you'll find the love of God contained. In that, you'll see the love of God at its full. And those of you who have have trouble believing that God really loves you, those of you who have trouble believing that God really cares about you, those of you who have trouble, you know, thinking that does God know and understand my situation, in that verse is your answer right there. Because God, with all your problems and in whatever state you're in, even as a child of the devil, God loved you so much that he did not spare Jesus. But he gave Jesus freely to, to die on the cross, to go through all that he did, to buy us back. And if you'll just meditate and think on that, that God loves you so much that he gave Jesus for you.
I tell you what, you'll be able to walk out of self-pity. You'll be able to get free of that, does God really care about me question. And in that verse right there, you'll be able to, to, to experience the love of God. Realize, say, God loves me. Say, he loves me just the way I am. But he loves me too much to leave me that way. How many of you are glad he didn't leave us in, in that fallen state, did he? Isn't that wonderful? So you, how many of you believe that God loves you today? You really, he does. He does. He loves us all so much, so much that he didn't spare his own son. And then notice the last part of that verse right there. It says, how shall he not with uh, with him also freely give us all things. We're looking at the attributes of God. He loves us, but he also, he's a giver and he gives good things to his children. Now, is everybody on the planet a child of God? No, only those who place their faith in who? In Christ Jesus. Can anybody do that? Yes, anybody can. Is it the will of God that everybody gets saved? Yes, it is. He, the Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance, you know, and faith in Jesus. But not only does, does God love us, but he's a giver. Notice, if you would, Matthew 7.11. Go to Matthew 7.11. Turn over there. And Jesus is speaking, Sermon on the Mount. And he says, if you then, being evil, actually, he's speaking to men there, you know, men, women, whatnot, there, the crowd. He said, if you then, being evil, actually, that'd be probably better translated. If you then, being natural or natural people, know how to give good gifts to your children. In other words, he's saying, if human beings here on earth know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him. So you need to realize that God not only loves us, but he gives us good things as well. Notice James 1.17. James 1.17. James 1.17 says, Every good gift. James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. The father of lights, or actually you could probably better translate the father of spirit. You know, we are spirit beings. You understand that? We're, we're spirit beings. We possess souls, live in the physical body and all of that. But what he's saying here, we could talk about that. But let's center in on what we're talking about here today. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from who? From who? From who? From the father. The father, you see. The father, the father, of the father. The Father gives good things. How many of you know God's not putting sickness and disease on people? Is that right? Because that's not good, is it? So he's, and you can see in the Bible that God's not the author of sickness and disease. The, Bi- the Bible is clear that sickness and disease entered in as a result of man's sin. I like what one preacher said. He said, sickness and disease is the foul offspring of its father, the devil, and its mother's sin, you see. And uh, so, so uh, remember, uh, the Bible said that Jesus said the thief, that's the devil, comes not but what? For to steal, kill, and destroy. And then Jesus said, I've come that you might have what? Life and have it more abundantly. That's John 10, 10. But the point here is, is that God gives good gifts. He gives good gifts. Say God gives good gifts. Yeah. And so he doesn't put sickness on people. He doesn't put disease on people. He, 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 he doesn't 
strike people with poverty. He, he, he gives good gifts. He gives good things to people. And you need to understand that about the Heavenly Father. Something else here that we find in this verse, look at the end of that verse, talks about the Heavenly Father, says, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. There's no variation with the Heavenly Father or shadow of turning. And what can we learn from that? We learn that our Heavenly Father is steady and consistent. He's steady and consistent. How many of you like it when somebody is steady and consistent? And they're dependable and you can count on them and so on and so forth. And so we need to understand that about our our Heavenly Father. He is steady and He is consistent. He's steady and consistent. The Bible says that God doesn't change. He's always the same. And you know, I like dealing with somebody like that. I just don't like dealing with people that one day they're one way and the next day they're another way and, and then one day they're this and one day they're, they're not. Uh, there's something else. You know, and have you ever done business with somebody that they're not steady? They're not consistent. Boy, that's no fun, is it? But you know, in dealing with God, He's always steady. He's always consistent. Somebody said one time, well, you just don't never know what God's going to do. Well, if you study His Word, you can find out exactly what He's going to do. And he's steady and he's consistent and he's no respecter of persons and and he deals with everybody in love and, and justly and fairly. I like dealing with somebody like that. Notice 1 Corinthians 1 9. 1 Corinthians 1 9 says this. The first three words there in 1 Corinthians 1 9 says this God is uh, faithful. 1 Corinthians 1 9. The first three words God is what? What is he? He's what? He's faithful. He's faithful. And remember that definition of the word faithful. I think that's one thing I've been able to get across to you all, maybe better than anything else over the years, is the definition of faithfulness. Remember, it's always doing what you're supposed to be doing, when you're supposed to be doing it, with a good and a right attitude. Do you hear everybody quote that with me? Well, we've got that across to you. That's good. You know why it's important? That you understand faithfulness because the Bible says the faithful man will abound with blessing. But you know what? God is faithful. God is faithful. He's always doing what he's supposed to be doing when he's supposed to be doing it with a good and a right attitude. You see, I start quoting that and you guys just join right in. That's good though. And we need to be like God, don't we? But today we're talking about his attributes and he's faithful. He's he's always doing what he's supposed to be doing when he's supposed to be doing it with a good and a right attitude. Praise God. Amen. That's good, isn't it? That he's faithful. The Bible, there's another verse we could go to that says even when we're not faithful to him, he remains faithful to us. You know why that is? Because he never changes. He's always the same. Isn't that wonderful? Now notice, if you would, Matthew 6 and 8. We've noticed that he's a giver, but he's also a provider. Now, we need to understand that about our Heavenly Father, particularly in the time in which we live in this, what's known as an economic crisis. We need to understand that he is a provider. He provides for his children's needs. He not only is aware of your needs, but he provides for them. Look at Matthew 6 and 8. Matthew 6 and 8, Jesus speaking here, he says, therefore do not be like them, talking about 
people that are just religious and and so on. For, you know, they're eat up with just all rules and regulations and, and all of that. And they've made a God out of rules and regulations. That's what he's talking about there. Do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of when? Before you ask him. him. So does God know our situation? Does God know what it is you need? Does he know what it is you need before you even ask? Yeah. And then, of course, we could go on and study the Bible and find out we're supposed to ask him. And when we ask, believe, we receive, and then he'll, he'll give us the things we need. The Bible says uh, that, that our God will supply all of our need according to his riches and glory. Amen? So we learn about the Heavenly Father that he's aware of your need before you even ask. And not only is he aware of your needs, but he meets your needs. Notice Matthew 6 here, verse 25 and verse 26. Verse 25 and verse 26. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Well, that's good just to get that for coming to church today, hearing the word of God telling you not to worry. Do not worry about your life. Has anybody in here ever worried besides me? How many's ever worried more than once, more than twice? You worry? You know, all the hours that I've clocked worrying, you know what I mean by clocked? Um, you know, I don't have anything to show for it. Except a lot of anxiety-ridden moments. Do not worry about your life. What you'll eat, what you'll drink, about your body, what you'll put on. Now, he didn't say that we shouldn't plan and we shouldn't prepare. And he didn't say that we shouldn't work and all that. He said we shouldn't what? We shouldn't worry. Don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, your body, what you're going to put on. It is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow or reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? I say yes on that. Are we more valuable than the birds? I mean, to God, I mean, thank God for the birds, but he values us higher than than the birds. And if he's going to take care of the birds, Jesus is telling us that he's going to take care of us. Isn't that wonderful? That's encouraging to me to know that about God, is that he knows what my needs are before I even ask him. And then... He tells us right here not to worry about anything, but that he's going to take care of us. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now, that doesn't mean you can just sit back and do nothing. You can study elsewhere in the Bible and find out. There's one verse that says if a person does not, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't what? Eat. So, I mean, we've got to do certain things, but we're not supposed to be anxiety ridden. We're not supposed to worry, but we're just supposed to do what we're supposed to do and walk with God and trust him and honor him and, and, and believe him and he'll see us through. Amen. That's, that's a good heavenly father. And then, um, here, here's another one that, that is good. Titus one and two, Titus one verse two, and read this one in the NIV. It'll be up on the screen, New international version, Titus one and two. How many of you like dealing with somebody that keeps their word? Yes. Now, now we could have talked about this a moment ago when we were talking about God being consistent and all of that, but let's get it now. Because you see, look here, Titus 1 and verse 2. And, and if you read on in there, in the middle of that verse, the Bible says, God does not what? He doesn't what? God does not lie. Jesus said about the word of God, he says, thy word is what? It's truth. 
God does not lie. He tells the truth. Now, I like dealing with somebody who always tells the truth. Did you know when you deal with somebody that's lying all the time that you never know? I mean, they could be te- they, they could be telling you the truth at one point and, and you wouldn't even know it because they told you so many lies. But when you deal with God, he's not like that. He's always telling the truth. And I like uh, somebody like that. I like dealing with somebody like that. When you deal with God, you need to realize that God is a straight shooter. He's a square shooter. And you know what I mean by that? And he always tells the truth. He does not lie. And something else about God, when you find, when you really walk with him and get to know him, you find out that he does not, I mean, he, he, it's, he doesn't lie. And have you ever talked to somebody that they really, I mean, maybe they, you know, ultimately they were lying, but they're just shading it a little bit. You know what I mean? How many of you know what I'm talking about? They're just shading, they're shading it a little bit. I mean, they're just skirting, they're skirting, you know, maybe where they, it might not be, be an outright lie, but they, they just, they just skirted around. You know what I'm talking about? How many's ever, you know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? God never does that. It's the truth, the what? The whole truth and nothing but the truth. Amen. But it's good to deal with somebody like that. But something else you understand about God is he speaks the truth, but he speaks it in love. I can deal. I I like dealing with somebody like that. Amen? Amen. Tell me the truth. Don't beat me up with it. But uh, do it in love, but tell me the truth. Now, having said that, go to Hebrews 12. Just a few more of these. You getting anything out of this today? If nothing else, it just encourages us to know who we're dealing with. Our Heavenly Father. He tells the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. He doesn't love. He loves us. He gives us good things and all of that. But now, now one thing, if you attend this church, I, I'm going to just tell you, you know, I, I, I'm not going to just tell you all the positive things because a man of God doesn't stand before his congregation and just tells them positive stuff all the time. Okay? Are you Okay? Now, boy, I'd like to do that, but you can't be a man of God and do that. you got to also, this next part, here it is, God will correct us. God will correct us. And he corrects us because he loves us. Now, look at this, Hebrews 12, 5. Let's just read a few verses here, Hebrews 12, 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. That word chasten just means correction. Doesn't mean he puts sickness and disease on you. He corrects us. He corrects us with his word, you know. Don't despise the correction of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are what? Will God rebuke you at times? Well, he will. Now, I've learned this about God. He's not going to embarrass you. He's not in the embarrassing business. But he'll rebuke you. He'll rebuke you. And uh, notice, for whom the Lord loves, he corrects. 
and scourges. That word scourge does not mean sickness or calamity. That doesn't mean whip the living daylights out of you and anything like that. But he'll correct us. He corrects us through his word, you know. And scourges, that just means sometimes his correction can be rebuke, you know. Every son whom he receives. Now, if you endure chastening, did you know there's a lot of God's children that won't put up with it? They just won't. They want the positive all the time and nothing but the positive. Again, listen. The worst thing that could ever happen to you is have a minister always telling you just all the positive stuff. That's the worst thing that could ever happen to you. You need somebody that's going to share the the good, positive things of the word, but you also need somebody that will stand up and tell you that you shouldn't commit, you know, you shouldn't commit adultery. Amen? Amen? Is that right? You shouldn't lie. You shouldn't cheat. You shouldn't steal. I mean, you know... There's a whole lot of things we should do. There's some things we shouldn't do. You want somebody telling you both ends of the end, ends of the deal, don't you? You know, I was in the public school system for a long time as a teacher, a math teacher. And, and I taught at the junior high level, high school level. I also taught at the junior college level. And one of the things that I saw... Now, now I don't believe in beating children and, 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 and abusing them. Real loud, say Amen. But I watched and I would watch parents that never, they would never even lovingly uh, uh, correct their children. And you know, those children turned out to be some of the most obnoxious little tykes you're ever going to want to run into. Did you hear me? But it, it, you know, I, I've had parents come in at parent-teacher conference and they're supposed to come without their children. The one day the one couple brought their children and, and my goodness, those kids... They talked to their parents like their parents were dogs. And I thought, my goodness gracious. But you know what? It was the parents' fault for letting those little tykes get away with that. You understand that? And and, and when you don't lovingly discipline your children, you're just showing them how much you don't love them. Because you'll create a monster. Did you hear me? Now, am I talking about beating the tar out of them? No, I'm just talking about having some rules and regulations and having them follow those things. Did you know that children feel more uh, safe when they have some boundaries that parents set for them? You know, they they, they need to be home at a certain time, you know, until they get a certain age. You need to, you know, have them check in and know where you're at. I remember growing up, I always let my mom know where I was. Now, we didn't have cell phones back then. So I had to know where the pay phone was. See, nowadays you got it. You have it easy. You. Whippersnappers have it easy, you kids. You got cell phones. I didn't have cell phones. <laughs> but how many of you know the Lord will correct us because He loves us? Notice verse 8. But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. That's pretty heavy there, isn't it? If God's never correcting you, it just means you're what? You're really not a child of God. I mean, I want God correcting me. I want him speaking the truth to me in love. I want him, if I need to be rebuked, I want him to rebuke me. Because I know in that rebuke, there's the love of God showing me the right way. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits? See, the father of lights, father of spirits and live. 
For they indeed, the natural fathers, for a few days chastened us as it seemed best to them. But the heavenly father, he corrects us and chastens us for our what? For our, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. So real loud say, God, God. will correct me. Correct How many of you are glad that he'll do that? Amen. He will. You know, one way he'll correct you is, is, is he'll have a minister step in a pulpit and teach a message. Now, he won't call you out specifically and embarrass you. God doesn't work that way. But he'll have a minister just preach a message to a congregation like this, you know. And, 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 and nobody else would even know it. Nobody else would even have a clue. But in that message, God is just stepping all over your toes. Now, are you supposed to get mad at that minister and leave and never come back? No, the Bible says if we'll what? If we'll endure chastening. I'm not talking about a minister being ignorant, just being ignorant. I'm talking about somebody that doesn't even know your deal, doesn't even know what's going on in your life. And he comes up here and he teaches the word of God. And God just, nobody else even knows. He's just stepping all over your toes. The Bible says you need to endure that. And instead of saying, you know, grumbling, complaining, you all say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm going to make the correction. You know, when Jesus steps on your toes, if you'll repent, he'll turn right around and heal them. Amen. Now, let's close with this. Luke, the 15th chapter. All the other things we said about God. Now, we'll say this and we'll close. One of the greatest things that I found about the Heavenly Father is he's a forgiver. He's a forgiver. How many of you are glad he's a forgiver? Oh, I am so glad that he's a forgiver. Now, now, how many of you, since you've been saved, you've messed up? I've raised hands, feet, everything. I messed up. I'm not proud of it, but I've messed up. We've all messed up. Aren't you glad that when we mess up, that he's a forgiver? Boy, I'm, I'm glad. Look at Luke 15, verse 11. Jesus gives this story, this parable of the prodigal son. And it fits here on Father's Day because it really shows us this, this story. And we learn about the great forgiving uh, 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 the great forgiving love that a father has, that the heavenly father has for his, his, his children. And we need to, as we read this, we need to look at and, and look for the characteristics of repentance in here and look at the characteristics of what the father's response to repentance is. Notice verse 11, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. So the father split, split it up, gave the son what, what had, he had coming. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. That's riotous living. That's, that's unsavory living. That's, that's, that has, he was committing sexual sin and, 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 and probably getting drunk and all kinds of horror, probably gambling. He probably lost all of his father's goods from gambling. He went out and lived that lifestyle and wasted his possessions with this unsavory living. But when he had spent all, Maybe he gambled it away. Maybe he just bought, spent, 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 spent till all the money's gone. Then there arose a severe famine in the land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a certain of that country and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. That's where sin and rebellion will ultimately put you. It'll put you in a pig pen feeding the swine. 
Now, it won't happen overnight. This didn't happen overnight. It took some time, but eventually he wound up feeding the pigs. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, aren't you glad? How many's ever done something crazy? Stupid, nuts, you sinned, you shouldn't have done it. But then you came to yourself, you came to your senses. It's so good that we can come to our senses. And when he came to himself, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father. I'll arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. Do you see repentance in this young man? Do you see true repentance? I see true repentance. I see total and complete repentance. And, and he said, he said, you know, essentially, I'm here in this pig pen and my father's servants are doing better than me. He said, I'll arise and go to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned. Notice, he says, I'm going to leave this lifestyle. And I'm going to go to my father and I'm going to say to him, I've sinned against heaven and before you. Notice, he, he, he didn't go saying, uh, blaming somebody else, did he? No, he was willing to accept the blame. I did wrong. I shouldn't have done it. I've sinned against heaven and before you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. You know, one good minister said years ago, don't run from Jesus when you sin, run to him. So many people are ashamed of their sin and, and we should be ashamed of it. But don't run from God, run to him. Don't be like Adam and Eve who when they sinned went and hid. Be like this young man here when we miss it. Let's just own up to it. Hey, we missed it. We messed up. And and let's repent. Let's turn from it. And let's go to the Father and let's say to him, Father, I've sinned. And notice verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. Notice he arose and came to his father. And this is what I will get this about. This is, this is a picture of the heavenly father here. He arose and came to his father. But when he was still a long way off, please, please underline that. When he was still a long way off, when he was still a long way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Notice this. What does this show us about the father? The father was looking for him to come home. The father was waiting for him to come home. Oh, he's a good heavenly father, isn't he? Isn't he wonderful, full of love, full of compassion? And he wasn't looking to beat the daylights out of this kid. He was looking to forgive him. And while he was still, while the kid was still, Still a long way off. His dad was probably standing by the window looking, waiting for him to come back. See, that's the kind of father we're dealing with. When we miss it, he's not looking to beat us over the head. He's looking for us to repent and come back home. And when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And, and, and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and and, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Can anybody say amen? amen? Oh, that's a picture of the heavenly father. 
For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to make merry. Praise God. Aren't you glad that's a picture of our Heavenly Father? That when we miss it, He's ready to forgive us. The Bible, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that says he's ready to forgive. The Bible says if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteous. He's ready to forgive. He's faithful and just to forgive. So if you're here today and there's something in your life that, you, that you've messed up in and you're, you're ashamed of it, you're not proud of it, and rightly you should, you should be ashamed of, of sin. We should all be ashamed of sin. But you know what? We can repent of that sin and we can cry out to our great heavenly father and he will he's already stand, sitting there on the throne I'm convinced of just look waiting for us to repent waiting for us to ask him to forgive us and when we do man he'll forgive us he's faithful and just to forgive us the Bible says he's not ready to beat us over the head he's ready to forgive us when we'll repent amen stand with me if you would I hope you got something good out of this today praise God amen 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 praise God Glory to God. Well, if you're here today, with heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'd like to ask you to do that before you leave here today. I'd I'd like to ask you to become a child of God before you leave here today. Now, how do do I become a child of God? We've told you in this message, but I'll sum it up again. With, with a, be, just be sorry for your sins. It's, I missed it. I can't save myself. I've missed it. I've, I've messed up. And I want to turn away from that. And I want to come to the Lord Jesus and receive Him and turn my life over to Him and serve Him and invite Him into my heart. If you'll do that, you'll become a child of God. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. And the life of God will come into you and He'll... he'll be with you through the affairs of life. So when I dismiss here in just a few moments, if that's you, I want you to come up and pray with one of these nice people up here. And they'll lead you into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you're already saved, but there's been things in your life that shouldn't be there. Well, we just saw from that parable of that young boy it came back to his father. It's time for you to put that sin away. And just ask, ask the Lord to forgive you with a repentant heart. Put the sin away and ask him to forgive you and he'll, he'll do it. Get right with the Lord before you leave here today. It's very important to be right with him. I'm talking to Christians now. Oh, there's no doubt when you die you go to heaven. But I'm talking about... Living in, the, in this life in which we live. If there's sin in your life, it's just going to hinder you. It's going to hinder you from walking in the victory that God has for you. And so, so get right with the Lord today before you leave. You just come up here, talk to these people and say, Hey, I just need to pray with, with somebody and to lead me in prayer. I, I need to get right back right with the Lord. No, they'll pray with you. If you need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit or you need healing in your body, God's still in the healing business. We've seen hundreds of people healed over the last 10 plus years. He's still in the healing business. He really is. If you need healing in your body or just you need somebody to talk to, these people are up here. God has them here for you. He loved you so much. He put these people here to pray with you. So if you need to take advantage of that before you leave here today, then come and pray with them and they'll be glad 
to spend some time with you. Well, say thank God that you're a wonderful heavenly father. That you love us. You provide for us. You correct us. And you forgive us. We love you today, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now go honor your dad here today. Whether it's a natural father, stepfather, it makes no difference. Honor your fathers today. God bless you as you go. Greet a few people. You're dismissed.